Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood. What do I have to do to be saved? That's one of the most important questions in Christian faith and one that today's guest started asking as a young boy. We're joined today by Lucas Kitchen. He is an Amazon bestselling author with over 20 books written. When he was a child, he wanted the answer to that question and it should have been an easy question to answer as he grew up in a faithful community but no one seemed to agree what that simple answer should be so despite growing up in the buckle of the bible belt confusion about christian faith plagued every step of lucas's journey now he eventually found the answer he was looking for and today he's going to share his journey with us and why he decided to write a book about that journey that's today on connections our guest today is Lucas Kitchen. He is a best-selling author with over 20 books. His most recent book is Naked Grace. So you're not only an author, you're also a filmmaker, a pastor, a speaker, and uh, multiple other titles. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I, uh, for many years, was interested in all sorts of media. I mean, it began when I was a, a kid and... Um, my brothers and I had a recording studio in our parents' garage, which was very generous of my parents <laughs> to allow us to have drums and guitars. And so I so enjoy making media, uh, and I couple that with my uh, Christian faith. And so I basically make media of various kinds that uh, get the message of God's grace out. Uh, one of my primary ways is as a writer, uh, but then there's lots of ancillary things that we create that go along with that. So um, so I'm just thrilled every day to wake up and get to do this. It's an amazing experience. Did you grow up in a Christian home with your faith or is that something that you um, grew over time? I did grow up in a Christian home. My dad was a, an elder at a Bible church. And so it was a very um, kind of academic church. And so uh, we approached the Bible as if it was a puzzle to solve. <laughs> and so that was my approach. Now, that didn't keep me from getting very confused about a lot of things, uh, as can happen in church life. But um, from a young age, um, you know, my my dad began to talk to my brothers and I about the simple message of God's grace. But along the way, at some point, it began to get very convoluted. Um, and I sort of took in a lot of confusion about uh, even the basics, like what is it that we have to do to have eternal life, to be eternally saved? And this obviously led you to write The Naked Grace. Tell us a little bit about that book. Yes. Yeah, so Naked Grace is basically a chronicle of my own journey. It's sometimes humorous. Um, and, you know, I grew up in the, in the what I call the buckle of the Bible belt in East Texas. And so there's a church on every corner. And you would think that means that we are free of confusion about the faith. But I, I tend to think we may have more confusion because of that. And so um, Naked Grace, this, uh, this book is basically the spiritual journey of my life, um, but it's self-deprecating. It's often uh, humorous and uh, I probably should even say embarrassing at points to share the things that uh, I thought and even did based on that. Why was it so important to show uh, to share your own story and and to add that humor into it? 
Well, you know, from the time I was young, I always, always was willing to be the buffoon as long as it would help someone else. And so uh, I'm not saying the book is completely buffoonish, but um, but to me, there's so much value in hearing others' stories. And if my story can help others to, you know, seek out those answers that they're looking for, um, then I'm all for it. And so uh, I, I think readers are, uh, you know, feedback I'm getting is uh, readers are getting a laugh out of it, but also finding something very profound and valuable in the pages of the book. So it just, it seemed like, um, uh, seemed like a, a valuable thing to do to, to share these, uh, these stories. It seems like when it comes to our faith, even if we are confused, um, depending on the situation and where you're located, you kind of sit there and go, well, I'm just going to pretend and I'm going to go with the flow and pretend like I understand this because I don't want everyone to know that I don't know what's going on. Absolutely. Why do you feel that people feel the need to hide that? You know, after you've been in church for years, um, there becomes this point where it's assumed that everybody is speaking the same language and understands the same, uh, you know, um, you know, concepts, I guess you could say. And so I noticed even as a young, even as a young person in the church where I grew up, uh, it was sort of assumed on Sunday morning uh, that everybody in the room already understood what you're supposed to do to be saved. And so we didn't really talk about it. It was almost like that's what they do in children's ministry, you know? And so uh, the adults obviously are going to go deeper and that's the kind of things we often said, but uh, you know, I think it just becomes so ingrained that um, we're all we're all on the same page. And so it's really hard to come forward and say, man, I don't get it. I don't understand what we're talking about. In fact, a few years ago uh, in research for another book, the ministry that I work with did a survey. And in the survey, we surveyed over a thousand self-proclaimed Christians. And we asked them a simple question. Uh, what do you have to do to be eternally saved? And the answers that we got back were so varied, so all over the chart. I mean, they couldn't have been more varied if we had asked, you know, explain the universe and give three examples, you know. And so our our impression is that people even in the same denominations, even at the same church, or maybe even on the same pew of the same church, uh, often either disagree or are confused about the very basics of the gospel. What do you have to do to be eternally saved? And so, uh, so it's, a, it's a rampant problem. What was the biggest thing that you took away from writing this book? Oh, that's a great question. So for me, it was so cathartic to um, to have to sit and think through my own journey. I, I had told pieces of the story. Um, you know, I, I speak at various uh, conferences and things like that. So I'd, I'd shared pieces of the story, but I never really sat down and put it all together, you know? And so when I did that, I began to see this this story arc, even in my own life. And I've written a number of books. And so I'm used to looking for a story arc, but I never looked for that story arc in myself, you know, and, you know, every story consists of a conflict, usually toward the beginning that, that presents itself and some challenge to overcome. And uh, I began to see that in my own life, that there were these challenges and they were, and as, as nerdy as it might sound to some people, they were theological challenges, but I was just the type of person that always is asking questions and always uh, trying to figure out 
how to make sense of things. And what I noticed early on was that there were so many inconsistencies with how Bible teachers and preachers presented the basic facts of the gospel. And so I began to ask questions about that. I began to, to, you know, I was that annoying guy that would go up after sermon and ask the uh, the preacher to define some of the terms he used because <laughs> I was I was feeling like well that doesn't really line up or that's illogical what you said or that doesn't fit with what I heard from a, a speaker at another church the other day and so for me I realized as I was working on this book that it it was sort of a lifelong pursuit to try to make sense of this and always with in mind this idea of I want to share this with other people um, and so at a young age I found myself sharing whatever version of the gospel it was that I had recently heard, you know, but never feeling comfortable with it, never feeling like um, I was really sharing something that people could make sense of. I felt like I was sharing cliches that I really couldn't define. Um, and so it was just a, it was kind of a, a lifelong story that um, that I was in pursuit of in those uh, in those years. What was it without giving away too much? Because obviously we want people to pick up your book, but what was sure. it that helped you to make sense of everything? Was there one specific moment um, that was like, hey, I finally get this? Yeah. So it was a beautiful young lady who I uh, eventually married <laughs> that made the difference. And so yeah, intertwined in the book, there is a, a bit of a love story because um through this search, um, I, I had been, I had gone to Bible school. I had done seminary. I had been in ministry. Um, I, you know, I, that was my life. And I was sort of hiding the fact that um, I wasn't completely clear, uh, you, you know, with any sort of precise language on what it was that someone has to do to be saved. And so I, I, I met and began to date this young lady who had grown up in a church that that basically majored on that, that they had seen this problem and had made it their goal for their congregation to be very clear and be able to very clearly define and explain uh, the, the requirements of the gospel, you know? And so I remember one night um, we had the talk while we were, it was while we were dating, we were on the phone, we had the talk. And what that meant for two <laughs> uh, committed Christians was, what is your version of the gospel? <laughs> you know, and so she asked me, how do you present the gospel? And so I just, I, I started in Genesis and just basically gave a synopsis of the entire Bible, hoping that she'd be impressed that, you know, I knew so much. And uh, at the end of it, she just said very simply, well, I, I just think it's much, uh, much more simple than that. And then she gave this beautiful little description uh, that's in the book, of course, that um, I didn't, I didn't really understand at the time. I didn't, I, I couldn't really make sense of it because my mind was so packed with so many contradicting and convoluted concepts that um, I needed to think about it and for about six months or so. I, uh, I stewed on it. I asked friends. I had lots of conversations, but ultimately it was scripture that um, I went back to and began to test what she had said. And I tested it against scripture and it suddenly at, at one point, uh, which I talk about in the book, it just clicked. It made sense. And, um, and I've been so thrilled ever since to get the opportunity to talk to people about the saving message. Um, and uh, so I found what I was looking for and it was in such a surprising, uh, such a surprising place. It was within a love story uh, in, in my own life.
I love that. That just makes the book that much better. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, how can we get all of the churches? Uh, I know this is a complicated question, but how can we get all churches on the same page? Or what can the church learn from your book? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Well, um, you know, it, it's a it's a difficult concept to uh, to imagine a world where all churches agree, or even um, where even a, an individual denomination agrees. Um, and so that's that's hard. But I will say this, and this is kind of the, the purpose of the book, is that I I'm convinced that we learn by stories. You know that. Um, you know, when a story is moving, when it's funny, when it's thought provoking, I think the learning can be very, very deep. And so that's what I'm, I'm trying to do with this book is to bring people to the point where they're asking the same questions that I was asking. And I hope, of course, that they arrive in their own quest at the same answers. But it's a great place to at least begin asking these questions, to be open to these questions. And I, I think that is that is what I hope to accomplish in this book is to begin that quest all over for those that have given up on it, that feel confused or, like you said, might be a bit quiet about their own um, their own questions. And so, um, you know, my my concept is that uh, it's really natural to try to dress up grace in all kinds of religious behavior. But what we need, I think, is naked grace, just a simple, plain and beautiful grace. Uh, and, and, and here's what I ultimately believe is that it's a free gift received by belief in the Savior for that free gift. And I, uh, I'm just so excited for people to uh, come in contact with that, that concept of grace. For those who want to pick up your book, Naked Grace, how do they go about doing that? So the easiest way is to simply go to nakedgrace.org. We've got it in digital format, paperback, and also audiobook if you are a listener. And for those who want to learn more about you and uh, the rest of your books, how can they do that? Lucaskitchen.com would be a great way to do that. And do you have any future uh, plans or any books coming out in the near future? I have, well, that's, I'm so glad you asked that. <laughs> I've got one coming out in, in January, which um, I, I began my writing career as a fiction author and I've returned to fiction, but it's a, a fantastically unique twist on um, future, uh, future fiction. And so it's, it's a story I've kind of been chasing for about 10 years now and uh, finally releasing it in January. So that's called For the Sake of the King, and it'll be out um, in January uh, this uh, coming 2021. Fantastic. So look for that in the new year. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Colleen. I appreciate it. Remember, if you want to listen to the full conversation, you can do that by listening to Connections. It airs twice a day, once in the morning, as well as once in the evening. You can also find the podcast version by visiting your radio station's website or wherever else you get your favorite podcasts from. We'll talk to you again on Connections.